brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Woman Soccer Review Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Jonathan Tannenwald on the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to the latest episode of the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network. This is Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer. This is our show having a gander at the U.S. Women's Olympic roster. And to do that, I mean, I'm sure you already know what it is already but just to chat about it and uh, have some things to say and try to figure out whether they're going to win the whole thing or not, because that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Our guest is a longtime friend of mine, RJ Allen, who founded Backline Soccer uh, and now does podcasting, including Dash to the Races with Haley Snyder, who we had on recently. She is, of course, found on Twitter at The Soccer Critic. I'm sure many of you already follow her. We're going to try to not be too snarky on this show. Not least, and I can tell RJ is already winding up, but we're going to try to not be too snarky on this show, mainly because, RJ, all the verdicts that we were getting ready to write over the last two and a half years, and yes, you may have heard, listeners, that I was writing some of them. The word about that got out recently. The verdicts have now been rendered because the roster is set. And I would submit to get us started, RJ, that even though a lot of people want to come up with a lot of conspiracy theories, I actually think the veterans in this group did a pretty darn good job of holding off the youngsters and proving that they ought to be there. What do you think? I think this is exactly the roster that I expected, whether I picked everybody on this roster or not. I think this is the roster that Vladko has sort of been telegraphing is going to be what he wanted. Um, I I agree that, you know, it, regardless of my thoughts on certain players, and there are a couple of players that I probably would remove from the list if I were the national team coach, I do think they're they're all reasonably in, in good performing. Tobin Heath, before she was injured, was playing quite well. Uh, Julie Ertz 
before she was injured was playing quite well. Unfortunately, the before they were hurt part is the part that we're sort of worried about at the moment. Carly Lloyd is playing the way exactly the way you would expect Carly Lloyd to play. Those are sort of the three names that were the most towards a bubble, I think, uh, of the veterans. But yeah, I, I think they were playing exactly or I'm sorry, the roster was sort of built exactly the way I thought Vladko was going to build it. You know, with Tobin, and I've said this a million times before, there's nobody who can do things on the ball the way that Tobin Heath can do them. And if the nature of her injury is such that she can still do the things on the ball, but is left to do them at a little bit of a slower pace against a lot of teams that we know are going to play deep, I might be okay with that. It's going to be hot as hell. It's going to be humid as hell. It's, it's not a, it's a tournament, first of all, which is not necessarily well suited to the U.S. flying around on the field. Combine that with the heat and the humidity, I might be okay with slowing it down, and I think Tobin Heath can do that. And I'm okay with her being on the roster for that reason. If Vlatko's assessment of her health is correct, and from everything, look, Vlatko has earned the benefit of the doubt by now. I would think, what do you think? No, I actually, I think you're right. Tobin Heath can be a very physical player, as I'm sure any player on the uh, North Carolina Courage is more than happy to tell you. Uh, and I think that she can bring speed and she can bring all those things. But Tobin Heath is a lock picker and you don't have to be fast to pick a lock. You just have to know what tools to use to pick it. Um, they're playing Sweden, Australia, and New Zealand. Out of those, Sweden is the team that is going to be the toughest for the U.S., I think uh, is safe to say. And they, she doesn't need to be fast against Sweden. She just needs to be able to pick the lock as they go on. Um, so I, I think her at 70 to 80% health, she is somebody you can bring and not have to necessarily worry. Ertz, on the other hand, is a more physical player. She's the one I am more concerned about between the two of them, especially when Vladko says, that on, you know, sort of the chart of wellness, Heath is above Ernst. I find that really interesting because to me, Ertz is the most irreplaceable player of the bunch. Now, would I have brought Andy Sullivan as an alternate or at least given her more of a shot in these recent games? Yeah, I might have because she's Ertz's heir, I think. Not as physical, but an obvious six. Vlatko may have decided, first of all, he wants the versatility of Sonnet, Davidson, et cetera. He wants Kruger in there in case he needs somebody who can play outside back and center back specifically, which Kruger can do. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Vlatko said after the roster was announced, they're going to play a couple of closed door games over in Japan once they get there and then work Ertz's fitness toward being ready over the course of the group stage. It would be great to have her healthy against Sweden. If I were to bet that the target for her is Australia, because that's the game where they're really going to need her, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. And obviously none of us are at practice. We never are, but especially with the pandemic, we're not at practice. I wonder, RJ, I wonder aloud if that's the target date because that's the game they're going to really need it for. 
Yeah. And looking at it, I think getting Sweden right off the bat is both a blessing and a curse. It is a blessing in sort of that is when they're going to be the freshest. That is when they're, you know, right off the bat, get Sweden over with. And if they draw that game, then they're actually in a a pretty good position going forward because I don't think anybody's going to think they're not going to pull it off against New Zealand. And then Australia is that that bigger test. I think that's going to be the one where where Vladko really tries to put his best 11 on the field and and see if they can hold on. Um, So I I do think that you're correct and that's going to be her target date. I do wonder if he's going to to play her more than maybe usual against New Zealand, maybe a a full 45, just to see. Um, New Zealand does have some attacking ability. They're not going to be a team where the U.S. is just pushing everybody up and and leaving nobody back. So it may be a a good test for Ertz. I do wonder, though... um, if if something happens and you know we have to pull up, is that Crystal Dunn's chance to get into the attack? Is that a, a chance where Kruger comes in and Dunn goes forward? And is that her versatility, Dunn's versatility, and sort of shifting the midfield back, why he's able to take the risk that he is? I wonder in that regard, assuming everybody stays healthy, which is not necessarily a fair assumption to make. Right. But assuming, assuming everybody stays healthy, I wonder if the move is Davidson comes in late in a game. Rapino goes out. Dunn goes up to the left wing. I wonder if we might see that at some point. And again, um, I'm speculating here a little bit, but I wonder because that gives you another option. And if Crystal Dunn starts running at you and you're an outside back, good luck. Yeah. And Crystal Dunn has the benefit of she and Lindsay Haran are teammates on Portland. So there is that familiarity there. Um, Dunn is one of the best attackers in the world. She also happens to be one of the defenders in the world, but having the ability for her to sort of slot into a midfield with Haran there and giving her a little bit of that comfort, I think is a benefit. It is a benefit having a Sam Lewis who can basically play with anybody anywhere in the midfield. Um, as much as Vladko has put Haran sort of in that six, I don't think when the rubber hits the road, she's going to be the one in the six because I don't think she's patient enough. Um, I think she tries to be. I think she wants to be, but I don't think her oh, instinct. Oh, is she's to a be. bulldozer. It's okay to say it. She, she's, <laughs> she, she is a, she is a bulldozer. Um, and I think, and I think she knows that. I think she does try because I think she's somebody who is a team player. But she is more the uh, old school Lauren Holiday. I'm gonna make sure you realize I'm here. Than sort of the Shannon boxes of the world, we'll say. Um. It's interesting about the sixth position because I, you know, I'm not sure they're going to play a pure, there are going to be times when they don't play a pure six, I'll bet. And maybe that's okay because they can just out-talent people. But I I wonder if, I mean, I I actually think your your point about New Zealand is a very good one, that that's where Ertz might get 45 minutes before getting 90 against, against Australia. And you, by the way, I, Apologies to Tom Sermani, who you and I both know and, and think very highly of. You could not script this better for the United States in terms of the order of the games. Right. Having New Zealand in the middle, the weakest of the three opponents, to rotate players, start Carly Lloyd, start Christy Mewis, maybe start Emily Sonnet, a few others. And 
let the big guns rest a little bit and then have them all loaded up against Sweden where they're all going to be pissed off because they're going to be, they're going to be certainly sick of us talking about it. And they're certainly probably going to want to beat them. They're always going to want to beat them, but they're still going to be sick of all the noise about it. And they love making statements in the opening games of tournaments when they can, as we know. And then, you know, try to dial it back a little against New Zealand and then go for it against Australia and then go off into the knockout rounds and see what happens. Um, why don't we take a, a run through this roster? And a lot of it's obvious. A.D. French and Alyssa Nair are the goalkeepers in alphabetical order is how I'm going here. Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Emily Sonnet are the defenders. Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, and Sam Mewis are the midfielders. Tobin Heath, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, and Megan Rapino are the forwards. A big haul for unattached FC on this roster, as we know by now. And the alternates are Jane Campbell, goalkeeper, Casey Kruger, defender, Katarina Macario, forward slash midfielder, and Lynn Williams, forward. We love thinking that Vlatko plays seven-way chess, and I wonder with the alternates whether he is doing that because he has he said, sure, we'd love it if the IOC would get on board with FIFA and allow there to be 22 players on these rosters, let the alternates be on the roster, basically. Because if that happens, goodbye. The U.S. is winning this whole thing easily, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. When I looked at the roster, it feels like a World Cup roster. If you put everybody together, it feels like this could very well uh, be the World Cup roster if it was being held this year. It feels like he was banking on potentially having Lynn Williams one way or another. It feels like he really wants Lynn Williams, but because he's also really wants Tobin Heath and Carly Lloyd and Julie Ertz and Christy Mewis, it feels like Lynn Williams was sort of that last off. Um, I do, I do wonder if he's thinking if I, if I get the ability to have Williams and Macario and my full alternates, awesome. If I don't, there is a possibility before the games one of the injured players has to come out and then he has the ability to pick one of the four. Um, so I do think he definitely created the roster with that in mind. It's just unfortunate that these four are sort of the four off. I think Jane Campbell is the easiest of the four to say she was not going unless something catastrophic happened. Um, Macario probably in that, that three spot. And then it's a question of um, did he want more of a pure defender in Casey Kruger, um, which I do, I was surprised to see her name, um, but I think she is the most defensive minded outside back in the total roster. Um, and then you have Lynn Williams, who I honestly, I didn't realize she wasn't on the roster until somebody pointed it out to me because I just assumed she was going to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Vladko created a roster that is complete if you include the alternates, hoping he's going to get those alternates. Yeah, I, you know, Williams was one of the first names overall that I was looking forward to see whether she made it. And I think that Tobin Heath being where she is health-wise probably bumped Lynn Williams down to the alternates and bumped Midge Purse all the way out of the picture. And I feel bad for Midge, but I, I said this on Twitter. I I wrote it. Uh, in the in the piece that I wrote for the Inquirer 
on the roster being announced. I think that Midge Purse is officially free now by virtue of this. It's a little bit of a counterintuitive take, but I think that she doesn't have to worry about playing outside back anymore because she was playing outside back to try to get on this Olympic team. And now she doesn't have to, she can go play forward and be a forward on the 2023 world cup team. What do you think of that? I think that is what I hope and dream that the timeline we're in provides. Um, I, I love the idea that you propose. I think, unfortunately, with the pool being the way it is, somebody like Midge is always going to be looked at to potentially be an outside back. I think if she can prove herself over the next two years the way she does every time she plays forward, then there is a very good chance of that. But the U.S. is just so bad at having actual defenders that I do wonder if she is somebody where she's on the roster maybe as a forward, but she ends up playing, you know, 20 to 30% of her games as an outside back anyway. Um, and if, if Midge can find a way to free herself, I'm sure Crystal is trying to figure out that game plan as well. The problem with Crystal, I mean, I, I, Crystal has had my sympathies for a long time and knows that, but as I have written, she is the best left back in the U S pool by so many miles that, you barely even know who's second. It's 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 Casey Kruger, you know, in a lot of ways, but will it be by 2023? I don't know. If Emily Fox is good enough, then it frees you up to move done higher up the field where a lot of so many people would like to see her. But I think I think that some of that's going to come down to how many retirements there are between now and then. And we assume there will be some. We obviously thought you know, that if the Olympics had been on time, this all would have been settled by now. But here we are with another extra year on the board and, and all of these players, you know, I, as I wrote in, in my piece, all of these players are still active with the national team or their NWSL clubs. You know, if you were going to choose straight up between Carly Lloyd and Sophia Smith to come off the bench in a major tournament in the 85th minute of a 1-1 game, I think for the time being, it's shocking. This is going to surprise people. I would pick Carly Lloyd. Gasp. Gasp. No, I, I would. Do, look, she, this is what I'll say about that. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was going to get to this sooner or later, wasn't I? You were. Yes, I wrote often that she was on the bubble. But. She earned a place on this. I, I do think she did enough to earn a place on this team. And as we all saw, when she scored that goal against Jamaica, 23 seconds into the game, that was a statement goal, I think. Flatco subbed her off at halftime. That's the universal sign that your work is done and she was on the team. I don't disagree with that. My problem is more of a systemic one and not a Carly Lloyd problem. Um, I wrote a, a piece about basically the U.S. being a puzzle. I don't think the problem is Carly Lloyd is not good enough as an individual. I think the problem is the U.S., and this is partly because we're a year extra out, the U.S. has such a backup that really they need like seven or eight players to retire in 2021 or 2022 to sort of clear the way for players to come through. And I worry that taking somebody 
like a Carly Lloyd, who I agree is incredibly talented and who I do think is still an asset to some degree over players who are younger and can get some more experience and who are still valuable in their own right is going to create a bigger backlog of not getting those players in. So for World Cups, you're not going to have them. Now, as a person, I downplay the Olympics more than the World Cups. That's just how I see soccer. And I think the more the women's game grows, that's going to continue to have that gap. Um, but my problem with Lloyd has never been she's not talented. I don't think anybody who is arguing in good faith about this team can say Carly Lloyd is not talented. I just have a problem with sort of the structure of how U.S. soccer and the women's national team works, which is not Carly Lloyd's problem. Well, and I'm not sure I'm there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there about that, and I'm not here for them, frankly. Um, to your point about the Olympics mattering less, I get that. If the U.S. had at some point in the past done the World Cup Olympics double that nobody's ever done before. For folks who don't know, no, I mean, I assume most of this listenership does know, but just in case, no reigning World Cup champion has ever won the following Olympics. If the U.S. had done it and wasn't trying to grab that brass ring in these games, maybe we are having a different conversation right now. Maybe there is not that kind of pressure on them. But I will give you another example of why I'm not here for the conspiracy theories. Megan Rapinoe has been undroppable over the last six months. And I've been really, really impressed by how well she has played. And that's another player who was in the category of older players who have not yet gotten out of the way and a player who did not play a game for a long time for her club or for, for her country. But she's been so good these last few months. You can't take her off the field, RJ. I don't think. What about you? I think Rapino is an interesting case in terms of when she plays for the national team. I don't think you can question her abilities. I think she's, she's an outstanding player every time she's out there. Um, and I, I think people looked at her 2020 and were far too harsh. We were in the middle of a pandemic. And I think people who look at the roster and who criticize Rapino for not playing um, during the, the tournament in 2020 are sort of forgetting that she is a person and she is allowed to have feelings around a pandemic. Um, So I don't really criticize her for that, but I agree that when Megan Rapinoe has stepped on the field for the national team, she's been outstanding. I think that at a certain point, the U S women's team has to move to club mattering more. And I think club play needs to, to play some part of a role in it. But when you play as well as Rapinoe does, I think that's, at this point, at least, that's too hard of a barrier to overcome, and, and you have to have her in your 11. You have opened the door to a segue, which I will make in a moment. But about Rapino first. Folks out there, if you watch the LFG documentary that, that HBO just put out, you will get some very interesting insight into Rapino's thought processes over the course of 2020. I'm not going to spoil it. I will leave it at that. But if you are a close observer, you will come across one very particular moment. And RJ, you've seen it too. So I I think you know what I'm referring to, where you will know exactly what her thought process was 
in 2020 and it will, it will hit you hard. Um, let's take a real quick commercial break. So my producer, Kevin Laramie can sell some ads and we will be right back here on the women's soccer review here on the sports podcasting network. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network. Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer with R.J. Allen of myriad different places around the soccer interwebs, most notably Twitter at The Soccer Critic. If my voice is a little quieter than usual on this show, it's because A, I'm devoid of a glass of water at the moment, and B, I'm devoid of a glass of water because I am working in my office for a little while, um, where I have taken all my coffee mugs and other stuff home, so I would have to walk over to the water fountain and I'm not doing that. I want to get the show out. I mentioned before the commercial break that we had teed up for a segue. And then of course I left you all hanging. Sorry. Here's the segue. Christy Mewis made this team and Vladko Ananovsky was not shy about saying that she did so on NWSL form specifically. Did you think RJ that she was going to make it because I be honest, I didn't. And I was surprised. I, it's hard. Christy Mewis is an interesting case because I think that her NWSL play absolutely should have gotten her into camp and in the conversation. And her, her national team play has not been poor by any stretch, but I am surprised that she is on this roster. I, I can't say I'm not. Um, I, it's one of those things where if I if I look at what she can do versus a Lynn Williams, I wonder if not having Lynn is going to to bite them in the butt. But I do think Christy brings a determination when she is on the field and sort of a physicality when she's on the field that is something that the U.S. does lack at times when Lindsay Horan is not on the field. Um, as we as we mentioned earlier, Lindsay Horan is a, a little bit of a bulldozer, and Mewis has that in her as well. Um, I don't know necessarily if Christy Mios is sort of the prototypical player to be on this roster, but I think she brings sort of a determination that I think Vladko appreciates in a player. And I have a hunch that we will see her because one of the signals that her inclusion sent to me is Vladko saying, I'm going to rotate this central midfield quite a bit over the course of these games, maybe even more than we thought he was going to. And that will keep everybody fresh as well. I think that's a very good sign. Um, what other questions do we have? I'm going to look at the schedule here. 
this is going to hurt a lot. And we all know it. July 21st, Sweden, USA, in Tokyo at 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time. July 24th, New Zealand, USA, in Saitama, our mutual friend Dan Orlowitz of the Japan Times. He's apparently going to be at that one. Lucky him. Very. 7.30 a.m. for that game on a Saturday, which is not as bad. And then it's back. Worst of all, Tuesday, July 27th, USA, Australia, in Kashima, or at Kashima, I should say. 4 a.m. Ouch. That's going to hurt. I haven't done the math on the uh, on the knockout games yet, but I believe if the U.S. finishes first, all the quarterfinals are on July 30th. If the U.S. finishes first, they play at 6 a.m. If the U.S. Eastern. If they finish second, they play at 7 a.m. Eastern. The semifinal will be a 7 a.m. game if they finish first, a 4 a.m. game if they finish second. The bronze medal game is 4 a.m. on August 5th. The gold medal game is 10 p.m. Eastern on August 5th, which is 11 a.m. in Japan, if my memory is right. I believe it is. It is 13. Okay. Which is 11 a.m. in Tokyo. That I, I have covered the Olympics media for long enough to have a hunch that NBC might have said, hey, can we get a little help here? And here's a billion dollars or so of our rights fee to get the help. So we will, uh, as we all do, because we are sheep when the Olympics come on, we will take it and say, thank you, may we have another. <laughs> no, I, it, it will obviously, if the U.S. is in that game, it will do a very big number. Uh, for NBC, and they will deserve it. And of course, Arlo White and Julie Foudy and Marissa Pilla, who has been on the show before, uh, will be over there calling the games. We might, I don't want to jinx this. I really don't want to jinx this. I'm trying to get Arlo on here for a show before the Olympics start. It might not happen. But if it does, it will be terrific. I've known him ever since he started broadcasting soccer in the United States with the Seattle Sounders in 2009 or 10, whatever it was for a long time. And he is, I'm sure all of many of you watch his premier league broadcasts on NBC and so on and so forth. He's a terrific guy. It'll be great to have him on if we can. What else, RJ, what else should we talk about? I feel very bad for team great Britain. Uh, just as a non-US uh, point there seems like they're not going to play any uh, national teams before the Olympics, and I just want Kim Little to have good things in life, former Seattle Rain player, Kim Little. Um, so I am very sad for Great Britain that it seems like they're not going to get any time, but I don't know if American fans care very much if Team Great Britain gets games or not, but uh, I'm I'm a little bit sad to see that. I'm not saddened. Okay, <laughs> I'm saddened for Kim Little. Fine. The rest of them, nah, I'm not. I think people know this about me. I I don't have all that much sympathy for English football. I just don't. People have figured that out about me by now. So I'll live with it, you know? 
It's okay. I don't I, think they're that good. I don't think they're going to be very good either. I just want Kim Little to be on a winning soccer team at an international level just once in her career. Um, and Scotland in 2019 did not give her a winning soccer team to play on. Uh, so I will, I will forever hope that Kim Little just gets a gold or even a medal. I would, I would give her the Christine Sinclair bronze. Uh, that would be okay by me. I'm actually very excited to see Brazil. Speaking of another international team, uh, the Brazil-Netherlands group, I think, will be very interesting for Brazil and Netherlands to see who finishes first, who finishes second, um, because that will have a big impact on who they play and, and who the U.S. will end up playing. Um, Brazil's a team that worries me. Short rosters in a quick time, quick turnaround. That one, that's one that uh, that's a team that worries me even more than Britain, frankly. Um, Brazil worries me more than Sweden, to be honest, because sure, you have Marta absolutely. and you have Dabinia and they play against all of the Americans and they know the American ticks. Marta knows how to go against, you know, Kelly O'Hara and Becky Sauerbrunn and Dahl Kemper and Don uh, Dabinia the same way. And Marta has the ability to score goals that, absolutely will blow your mind seemingly it will even at uh her you know the number of tournaments she's played so i think brazil is hungry and i think pia uh is looking forward to getting a little uh or at least getting another one up over the u.s Ooh. so Ooh. i yes. uh i think I think oh, yes. if the U.S. and Brazil play, it's gonna it's gonna make 2011 flashbacks happen for for both sides. Well, and 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 they're all they're always free for alls. They're just always crazy. Yeah, that's the way they are. And that's sweet. Sweden games are not free for all. Sweden games are no. And and again, I I, I we should not throw this Sweden team under the bus to excess. It's not going to be like it was in 2016. But they are not wide open, entertaining, free flowing games. They just aren't. Right. Brazil is. The Netherlands could be, especially if Serena Wiegman wants to go out on one more really big high. But I do think that the U.S. is the clear favorite to win this thing. And we'll see if I end up being wrong. Yeah, I think. I would take the U.S. versus the field. I think even even with how it could shake out with who they play in, in each group, I think the U.S. has to be the favorite. Going to, to multiple uh, finals, I, I just I can't see a world where the U.S. isn't the favorite against everybody else at this point. Well, this has been great fun. We're going to do a short show for once in our lives, folks. I keep promising them, and I never, I never actually follow through with them. So I'm going to follow through this time. Um, RJ, thank you, as always, for being around. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we've been friends for a long time. We have. Cross paths at coaches' conventions, at games, and whatever else. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll see you around the interwebs and such. You will. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For RJ Allen, this is Jonathan Tannenwald. Thank you all, as always, for listening to the Women's Soccer Review here on the Sports Podcasting Network.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.